in my neck You, you are not rebellion I got the invite to your party and I threw it away You fashion, fashionista, you imperial Shantus, you upper crusty punk You pillager's excuse You duke and disciple of this connection Who flakes the empire state Building blank space on your paper Matching blank looks on your Welcome to the Weekly Review! This is Roman. It's Friday, July 21st, 2017. Thank you for listening in. We're here at Mutiny Radio here in the Mission District in San Francisco. Hope everyone has had a an okay week. I know by reading what's happening in people's lives, that's not usually the, the case, because it's been a pretty traumatic week for a lot of folks and a lot of people that folks know. So I wanted to put that out there. Uh, trigger warning, this is a news program, current events program, where we'll be talking about what's happening in the world and a lot of things that uh, are unsettling. And it's one mission of the show just to talk about that and to, to give a voice to what's happening and to witness what's happening and to recognize it instead of pretending it doesn't exist. So we'll be going into some news stories in a little bit, and we'll have a guest coming in later. Very excited about that. And we'll start off with a little bit of some local news. I guess I usually rant first with the show. And I had a dream last night that uh, riots were happening, which is a, I have recurring dreams. One is that I'm in New York City, which happens at least once or twice a week. Uh, it's a place I used to live, and I dream I'm back there quite often. And then I also dream that I'm in a protest, which is not so far from what I do when I'm awake. <laughs> and they're just uh, situations that I can see myself in. So my dreams aren't quite that fantastical or bizarre, or that outside of what my normal life is, just, it's a bit different. So last night, uh, thankfully, I mean, there was there was a lot of protesting and, and rioting happening and some fighting happening, although the resistors, we were in the majority. So there was maybe, for every, there was maybe, it was like a maybe nine to one ratio of resistors to Trump supporters, and folks had kind of come in trying to fight and trying to harm us. And we had the numbers, and we were out there fighting back. So that was positive, although it was very scary at times. And someone, 
in the dream I had, the the apartment that I was in, I had these big windows, and someone had put this uh, supporting a 45 poster. And I was like, who did this? And I was able to tear it down. But there was a lot of fighting happening. And thankfully, when it started, and again, we had the numbers, when some of the actual fist fighting and violence occurred, and again, this is happening in my dream, uh, for who knows who listens to this, putting it out there, wanting to protect ourselves, because as we know, that you get uh, you can get arrested for defending yourself against a Nazi, as we've been finding out. So people were fighting back, and like these swarms of organized groups would come in, and they would just they everyone kind of knew where they knew where their place was to to fight back against uh, the white supremacists. So in my dream, folks were very organized, and that was reassuring. So for those of us who are not prone to getting out there and fighting in that physical regard. Uh, it was great that other folks were organized and were, were on it to, to defend the greater good. So that was a positive thing. So, yeah, so the cops are still arresting people who should not be arrested. And that's uh, that's been happening for a long time. That's kind of a the history of this country. So there's a teacher, Yvette Falarka, who has been very outspoken and has actually gone to fight Nazis, fight neo-Nazis, fight white supremacists, and has spoken out. And I think she's incredibly admirable. And she has been arrested on charges of inciting a riot. So how fucked up is that? If you go to defend yourself and your community against neo-Nazis, the result, since we live in a police state, is that you can be arrested. So that's very disturbing to hear. And we also have the folks at J20 who are out, and many of whom were arrested, and they have uh, many charges against them. So again, folks who are going out for the greater good are then arrested and criminalized. <sighs> Meanwhile, you have war profiteers out there with no... You have them in office. You have them in law enforcement. You have a lot of the folks causing the harm are out there not being punished at all, and sometimes even getting a promotion, as the case of the OPD might be. Speaking of Oakland, here's a segue. That was a very shortish rant, but we'll go right into the news because there's a lot to talk about. Ugh, goodness gracious. So some positive news. And again, the theme of the show, if you've been listening, we've been on since 2013. A, a, a recurring theme of the show is that the positive news stories is when something negative is prevented from happening or something negative is stopped or something that shouldn't have happened in the first place is then changed. So when we started off the show, we talked a lot about cannabis decriminalization or legalization. And of course, it should never have been criminalized in the first place. However, we have to be grateful for the positive things that happen. So this is something positive. Oakland police, (laughs) very hard to hear the words positive and Oakland police in the same sentence, I realize. Oakland police will no longer participate in immigration task forces. So that's something positive. And this article comes from the East Bay Times. There's been a lot of pressure not only to uh, stop working with Urban Shield, but then to also to stop the police from working with ICE. There, every fucking day, we hear stories of families being torn apart. People who have been here for decades, it doesn't even matter how long people have been here, they shouldn't be torn apart. So imagine your partner or your parent or your child being deported for no other fucking reason than we have fascists in office and there are people who refuse to question their orders that they've been told. That's what it is. And they're causing more harm, more trauma. If you want to live in a quote-unquote secure and a safe country, how about not tearing apart families? That's one idea. I'm not in, I'm not in politics, so this is an outsider's perspective. Although, 
I'm pretty sure millions of people would agree with that sentiment. So here's some positive news. And this, of course, has to go to the people for actually standing up. And that's how it always goes. It's the people who are standing up, saying what we want and what we need. So thank you to everyone who has done that and has forced things in the correct direction. This article was written by Rebecca Parr, and it came out on July 19th. Oakland is severing its ties with the Federal Immigration and Customs Enforcement, commonly called ICE. The city council on Tuesday terminated an agreement with the federal agency that allowed Oakland police to take part in task forces headed by ICE. Under the new presidential administration, we have seen increased use of ICE to target non-criminals, including arresting people dropping off their kids at school, including arresting people coming out of church, and including arresting a woman in court who is there to testify against the man who had raped her. Arrested by ICE for deportation, Council Member Rebecca Kaplan said at an earlier Council Public Safety Committee meeting. Kaplan introduced the proposal that the city terminate its agreement with ICE. Federal agents have worked with Oakland police on human trafficking. And if you know what's happened with OPD and human trafficking, they happen to be involved with it and not in a way that's necessarily helping people. I'll continue. Okay, so federal agents have worked with Oakland police on human trafficking and gang investigations. Oakland Deputy Police Chief Danielle Outlaw told the committee, that is a name, Danielle Outlaw. She said she was sensitive to the fear expressed by many speakers at the committee meeting July 11th, but that the police department felt its agreement with ICE was not in conflict with the city's sanctuary policy. We at OPD do not enforce civil immigration laws, Outlaw said. She gave examples of how working with Homeland Security Investigations, a branch of ICE, led to the arrests of Oakland gang members on labor trafficking, illegal drug, weapons, and sex trafficking charges. Our work with HSI allows us to have that federal arm and to have that transnational peace that we as a local municipal agency do not have access to, Outlaw said. While acknowledging the agreement may have some benefits, Councilmember Abel Guillen said rescinding it will send a stronger message to our community that we, in fact, do not have a relationship with ICE and it will bring peace of mind to members of our community who are living in fear currently. Brian Hofer chairman of the city's Privacy Advisory Commission, said while he, he had no evidence that Oakland police have violated the city sanctuary laws, I do have evidence that we, have in, that we are inadvertently putting data into the hands of ICE, not immigration data, but other data. This is a chilling effect going on right now, a dramatic decrease in the reporting of crime from Hispanic communities. Houston and Los Angeles police chiefs are already reporting that the, huma- the Hispanic communities will not report crime because they are so afraid of the data getting into the hands of the feds, he said. Any police officer will tell you that they need community trust, witness cooperation. The Public Advisory Commission had unanimously recommended the council terminate the agreement. It also recommended the council pass an ordinance requiring the Advisory Commission to review any surveillance agreements between Oakland and federal agencies. The agreements already are reviewed by the city council. I think this adds another layer of protection to our communities, another layer of review, that it's vetted by people who are versed in privacy protection, so that when it comes to the council, we can feel confident that it has that extra layer, Guillen said at the committee meeting. The ordinance also requires the police chief to submit an an annual report on any surveillance activities in Oakland with federal agencies. Many people voice concerns about the police taking part in a joint terrorism task force with the FBI and other agencies. The FBI has been surveying, surveilling 
Arab, Middle Eastern, Muslim, and South e- Southeast Asian community for years, and their aggressive profiling has absolutely terrorized this community, Christina Sinha, an Asian Law Caucus attorney, said at the public safety meeting. So there we go, people standing up, and that's good. So, yeah. I'm so used to reading stories here on the show that make me enraged, and there definitely are enraging elements of this this story. And when there are outcomes that try to pr- stop the problems that are happening, um, that's positive. So I kind of don't know what to do with myself. So how about I'll read a story that will make me angry again? It's not the goal. The goal is, of course, just to get the word out on what's happening, because a lot of the stories that we hear, the news media is extremely biased. They feed us misinformation, and they refuse to engage with what's actually happening. So it's I think crucial to find news sources that we can depend on, news sources we can trust, and news sources that question the status quo and people in positions of power. Because a lot of the times, if you have the power, you can spin a news story any way you want, and that just makes people less aware of what's actually happening and reinforces a lot of brainwashing and ignorance as to what happens and also makes people feel powerless, I think. So here's a story about someone that we don't like, Jeff Sessions. Boo. Jeff Sessions wants to make legalized theft great again. And this article comes from The Intercept, and I think The Intercept is a pretty good source of news. And this was written by Alex Emmons on July 20th. Donald Trump's Justice Department revived a federal program on Wednesday that gives state and local law enforcement more power to seize property from people who haven't been charged, let alone convicted, of a crime. I'll let that first paragraph uh, sink in there. The practice, known as civil asset forfeiture, became widespread as part of the drug crackdown in the 1980s, after Congress passed a law in 1984 hmm, that allowed the Department of Justice to keep the property it seized. At the time, forfeiture was billed as a way to undermine the resources of large criminal enterprises. But law enforcement saw it as a way to underwrite their budgets and have overwhelmingly gone after people without the means to challenge the seizures in court. The practice has become so widespread that in 2014, law enforcement, offici- law, law enforcement officers took more property from American citizens than all home and office burglaries combined. Ugh. Civil liberties organizations have called asset forfeiture legalized theft. And as the practice has become more widespread, it has become deeply unpopular. According to a poll last year by the Cato Institute, 84% of Americans oppose property seizures from people not convicted of a crime. Most states have passed laws restricting the practice or banning it outright. But Donald Trump has, has shown strong personal support for civil forfeiture. At a meeting of sheriffs at the White House in February, that whole sentence, ugh, grosses me out. After being told that a Texas state legislator was trying to reform the practice at a meeting of sheriffs in February, Trump said, will destroy his career. It appeared that Trump was learning about the practice for the first time. And they have a clip, but I'm not going to play. I'm going to spare you the listeners so we don't have to listen to this imbecile talk. On Wednesday, the Justice Department reopened a specific loophole that allows state and local police to sidestep state laws through a practice known as adoptive forfeitures. The loophole allows state and local law enforcement to continue to pillage the property of citizens, even in the face of local bans on the practice, as long as they refer to the case, as long as they refer the case 
to federal agencies after they seize property. They get to keep up to 80% of what they take and can use it for their own budgets. The feds take a 20% cut of the loot. It's like they're not even trying. They're not. It's it's so. I can't. I can't. Okay. That loophole has been had been a 30-year policy of the Department of Justice until the department under Obama banned it in 2015. In response to its reinstatement, the ACLU released a statement calling the move part of Sessions' agenda to bring back the failed and racist war on drugs. The move was even opposed by members of Trump's own party. Republican Senator Rand Paul from Kentucky said the practice violates the Fifth Amendment, and Senator Mike Lee, a Republican from Utah, released a statement saying the DOJ seems determined to lose in court before it changes its policies for the better. The department also released guidelines that purport to limit the use of adoptive forfeitures. They require the Department of Justice to police itself and ensure that adoptions involve property lawfully seized, a measure that civil liberties advocates say is woefully inadequate. These purported safeguards amount to little more than self-policing, and we all know how well that works, said Kanye Bennett, a lawyer for the ACLU that focuses on criminal justice issues. We can't trust the very law enforcement agencies that stand to profit from a forfeiture to police themselves. The guidelines list certain conditions... The guidelines... <laughs> The guidelines list certain conditions that must be met to allow adoptive forfeitures for cash amounts less than $10,000. One of the conditions is that police are allowed to make adoptive forfeitures as long as it is alongside an arrest, something that Bennett says is deeply problematic and may incentivize more arrests. At least one of these safeguards will promote more entanglement with the criminal justice system because it suggests all cash seizures under $10,000 are legitimate if they occur incident to arrest. The real safeguard is the one that Attorney General Sessions is reversing that would have prevented local law enforcement from circumventing more restrictive state forfeiture laws that are trying to protect against civil liberty violations. Wow. Okay. So there's more and more reasons to not trust law enforcement every day. That's another theme of the show. It's pretty much people in positions of power abusing their authority. And how many ways can that happen? And there's always, there's always new ways. It's just, it's like making up new, I don't know, colors. Like that's what I'm thinking of when you mix colors, when you're painting, I don't know. Just there's so, there's so much, there's unlimited, unlimited ways that people in positions of power can hurt everyone else. And we're seeing that time and time again. And I think even more so under this administration. And I also, of course, want to recognize that previous administrations are deeply problematic and have been deeply problematic as well. So it's not like bad things started happening just this January or this past November. There's been an increase in hate crimes. And that also needs to be said. And there's also things that have been happening for centuries. So it's crucial to call that out as well. Oh, <sighs> So, good to take a deep breath here. Um, yeah. So, I'll be... I won't be here the next couple weeks. Azalia, who has been co-hosting the show from time to time, will be here on August 4th. Looking forward to that. And we'll be playing a, an older episode of Heterotopia uh, next week. I've been sitting in for DJ Asik on Mondays. And um, so... We'll be playing an old episode next week, so you can check out that as well. We do have archives if you go to mutinyradio.fm, so you can check 
those out there. We're also raising money here at the radio station. On the 27th, there will be a fundraiser. If you go to mutinyradio.fm, you can find more information about that. And for this show, uh, we're always looking for, for donations and for sponsors. We're almost at our goal. We're trying to raise $100 total uh, for recurring donations. We're at $69 after Patreon has taken their small sliver of what they take. So if you go to patreon.com slash weekly rev, you can donate. Even a dollar a month is immensely helpful. So looking just to raise 31 more dollars and then we'll reach our goal and the show can sustain itself. So please do if you're able. And even if you can spread the word, that's great. Go to patreon.com forward slash weekly rev. We'll do one more story and then we'll do a music break. All right, so this comes from the BBC, which is a bit mainstream, I know, for me. But it's a positive story, and I think it's great that we have positive stories to balance out the the sad things that are happening. Uh, Ghana launches its first satellite into space, and this is from July 7th. Ghana has successfully launched its first satellite into space. The Ghana Sat-1, which was developed by students at All Nations University in Koforidua, was sent into orbit from the International Space Station. Cheers erupted as 400 people, including the engineers, gathered in the southern Ghanaian city to watch live pictures of the launch. The first signal was received shortly afterwards. It is a culmination of a two-year project costing $500,000. It received support from the Japan Aerospace Exploration Agency. The satellite will be used to monitor Ghana's coastline for mapping purposes and to build capacity in space science and technology. Richard Demoa, director of the Space Systems Technology Laboratory at the All Nations University, said it marked a new beginning for the country. It has opened the door for us to do a lot of activities from space, he told the BBC. He said it would also help us train the upcoming generation on how to apply satellites in different activities around our region. For instance, monitoring illegal mining is one of the things we are looking to accomplish. So there. Yeah, that's right. Positive news stories. Very important. We're playing music from The Coop today and playing some music off the album Sorry to Bother You, which is also the name of an upcoming film that Boots Riley is directing. So very much looking forward to that. So we're going to play some more music here and we'll be back in a little bit. Cause it don't, 
kids here to meet for the overthrow. Waiting on the concrete clothes to grow. Doing lies that ain't portable. Counting up all that dough you owe, you ain't supposed to know it's supposable. We are not disposable. Muscle the kid, we got blows to blow. To the folks that risen, there'll be no decision. We make the motor move, they show for driven. Right now we can't shine, right like a broken prism. I'll figure it out, the 14th is a broke commitment.
studies is the collide to tackle, which turns into a sermon on simplicity of shackles. Physics is the school you own a science course, except for how to get the fuck out the ghetto, of course. Home ec can teach you how to make a few sauces and accept low pay from your Walmart bosses. If your school won't teach you how to fight for what's needed, they'll teach you to go through life and get cheated. And I'm teaching my hands up. Don't make me a victim Teach Stand up You need to tell us how to flip this system Teach My hands up Please Don't make me a victim Teach Stand up You need to tell us how to flip this system Wrong On a dotted, billionaires have squatted on the magna cum laude. Holler, take my wallet, make the people robotic, catatonic or harmonic with what they've been allotted. And methodically, they plotted against those who fought it. Whole cities are haunted, cause her money bag knotted and dropped the thought product of a Harvard grad upon it. Dollars turn the table, boardroom and periodic. Listen to the sonnets going through your electronics. You could catalog it as harmonic or atomic, how they never went up. I'm in molecules turning to solids. Some pray to the Christ, like the Buddha of Muhammad. Some pray to the crack of a rich man's pocket. The biggest advance was plumbing to the projects. Now the scientific process got hijacked for profits. Flows in the direction that a silver spoon product will get signs for the people when we run the economics. All right, and welcome back to the Weekly Review. I'm joined here by Arya Saeed. Arya, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm glad we are able to to chat on the air. Yeah, this is so exciting for me. Yeah, yeah, um, I was really excited to to see you speak. Um, at, it was at Alley Cat, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah, so, that was actually a really dope sort of... Um, event um with writers that i never in a million years thought i would get a chance to meet and um and they had me read impromptu like i had no 
Uh, I did not know that I was going to actually read any of my own work. So it was so nice. And everyone was so supportive. It was such a cool event. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I feel like as a, as a trans person, I'm always excited just to be in community and see folks, mm-hmm. especially an event that's not a memorial or something that's not... Yeah, actually. Like, yeah, that's more uplifting, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and just people writing and sharing their stories, like... I don't, there's just not enough of that. And yeah. we all have such different perspectives. And yes. that was pretty amazing to see. And I think Natasha's pieces, um, focusing on the body and, and Julia Saran, like everyone was just incredible. Yeah, I agree. I was really grateful that for every person who was there. And mm-hmm. it's just, yeah, it is really awesome just to hear everyone's perspectives and to see where people are similar and people's experiences are, are not so similar too. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I was really grateful to be there. Yeah, um, and I hope we have more. Yeah. I'm trying to work on um, on an event. I think I want to... I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, focus a themed event on disclosure. Ooh. Yeah, and Ooh. having writers sort of share their writing on, on disclosing... Um, being trans, mm-hmm. gender nonconforming, intersex, yeah, um, family relationships, yeah. Um, so that is in the works. I'm oh, really excited. Excellent. That sounds great. Yeah. Oh, there's so, and it's also really nice just to be in person too. I feel there's definitely an online presence of mm-hmm. folks, and I feel connected to certain people when we post things online, and that it's something different to be in community in person exactly. with people. So that's really that sounds like a great event. Yeah, no, I'm so excited. I hope it comes together the way that I sort of have it envisioned. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think uh, there's some writers I definitely want to have there who can share their stories on disclosure that I think a lot of us think about and we go through sort of solo. And then when we hear other people, we're just so affirmed by it. Yes. Um, yeah. Because there's many moments where I hear other trans people's experiences. And I'm like, oh, I thought I was the only person going through that. Yes. Like, yeah. 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 And I feel it can be difficult to talk to folks who don't quite get it or mm-hmm. have to explain oneself. And then it's nice to, to be with people who have experienced something similar. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Um for those listening, I've never been to a radio station, like on the inside of a radio station. And then this is also my first podcast recording live kind of thing. So I'm really excited for this experience. Yeah, very happy to have you here. Yeah. It's I always like learn so much when I when I speak with folks. And it's also a really nice time just to have like face to face time with people and have like good deep conversations mm-hmm. so and or funny conversations right and because <laughs> it's I feel like it's a lost art these days there's yeah. a lot of and myself included where I talk to people either online and it's there's seems to be like a disconnection there and there's something mm-hmm. different when you're sharing a space with somebody yeah I know this is so incredible and this radio station is actually super cool with all the artwork okay. and stuff too and the, the little furry behind me so <laughs> yeah welcome yeah. yeah it's a it's a great to have a resource like this especially in in the city that keeps on losing like art spaces and mm-hmm. independent spaces it's exactly really crucial to keep spaces like this around mm-hmm. so um so i'm curious to hear about saint james um i yeah. i've heard about it like maybe a few years ago from folks who have worked there mm-hmm. and i'm just grateful it's another place here in san francisco that i'm very grateful that it exists and for all the folks who are involved with it yeah 
Um, St. James is literally like Candyland. Um, <laughs> um, it is probably one of the coolest places I've ever gotten to work. Um, and some of the most brilliant people in activism and art and um, writing and like everyone there, um, especially right now, I think um, is so multifaceted in so many different ways. Yeah. So yeah, St. James Infirmary is a occupational health and safety clinic for sex workers. It is the only kind, it's the only one of its kind in the country. Um, and there's only a couple in the world that mm. just sort of exclusively for focus on healthcare um, and social justice for sex worker populations um, and sex workers of all kinds. So it's uh, such an exciting project. Um, we do, um, I think we're most known for like our direct services. Mm-hmm. Um, so free healthcare, no cost to anyone. Um, we're all culturally competent because we are all peers. Mm-hmm. Um, so everyone on the team is a current or former sex worker um, of some kind, whether that be exotic dancing, um, street-based prostitution, um, massage, like all types of different industries. Um, when we think of sex work, um, adult entertainment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's such a special place. Um, and we moved, we're on Eddie and Taylor okay. in the Tenderloin. So we're no longer in Soma. Um, but there's such a demand for our work where we are now. So yeah. it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome that it's, it's there for folks and it's, I think just important. I'm happy to get the help to get the word out for folks who might not be aware of it. I feel like with other mm-hmm. places like this, you might not find out about it unless you hear about it through word of mouth. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that, um, culturally has been, I think why St. James is so impactful. We don't do like a lot of, um, advertising, in this particular way, we mostly just recruit other sex workers and mm-hmm. then sex workers tell their friends yeah. who are also doing sex work. And so that's how people really get involved. Um, and something that's really unique about St. James that I haven't seen anywhere else is that the actual community that the project exists for is instrumental and super involved in all of the aspects of the of the clinic and its programs um, and the policy work that we do and advocacy efforts that we do. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Awesome. And I love the idea of that model, too, of like folk, of like peers working among each other, mm-hmm. too. I feel like that must be also really comfortable, especially for patients who come in to yeah. feel safer. I think... It's necessary. Yeah. Um, and especially in a day and age now, we don't see it. I think um, something that is lacking in the trans community right now is that um, most of the projects that are designed for us are not led by us yeah. at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so what you'll see is, I hate to bring this stereotype but it'll be like white cis straight academics who get funded um to do work with the trans community Mm -hmm. and then if trans people are present they're sort of at the entry level job as Mm -hmm. like the outreach worker which is fine i mean um i'm really glad that we're circulating employment but that's it like and then um it just sort of caps out from there and um it's not truly led 
and facilitated by trans people. So a lot of our issues, um, socioeconomically, um, I think it just makes us more infantilized with that model. So I think it's essential for projects to be peer-led and peer-based. Yeah. um, Because at its heart, that's when the change actually really happens. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. That's a that's a great point. Yeah. So that's Saint James. Um so yeah, I uh have been programs director for a year mm-hmm. and then um doing policy um and fun- fundraising efforts. Yeah. So we're in the paper this week, okay. SF Examiner. Um at odds with SF police oh, yes, currently. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Who isn't though? <laughs> <laughs> right, secretly. <laughs> um so we're trying to get a policy. Um I've been calling it the I think we've been calling it the immunity policy, but basically it's a sanctuary policy mm-hmm. that if sex workers experience violence of any kind, mm-hmm. um, when we think about like if you're robbed on the street or you're assaulted sexually or, or anything like that, um, in a perfect world you're able to go to the police station and make a report. Mm-hmm. And the police are supposed to go solve it, right? And they process your your kit and and all that kind of stuff at the hospital but right now and i think historically um when incidents of violence happens and you accidentally or intentionally disclose that you were engaging in sex work of Mm -hmm. any kind Mm -hmm. um or drug use or, or anything like that um at the incidents of violence um then you too can be penalized you can be arrested you um, yeah, you can be charged or cited while also reporting a crime. It's such a mind fuck for me that that is the way that the world works. Yeah. Um, and I, I never knew that that was really a reality. I think when you, for me, when I was doing sex work, I think I just avoided law enforcement, mm-hmm. period. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we're saying is that police should just consider the incidents of violence and not penalize the the victim or the survivor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so SFPD, um, they're, they're not sure if they love the, the policy. <laughs> I wish the listeners could hear the eye rolls that are happening. I mean, I feel just, it's... And I think also just from... There was a presentation, I think it was at the might have been at the Anarchist Book Fair or a while ago, there's someone from St. James came in was talking about the the history of mm-hmm. the criminalization of sex work and how just from the very beginning, the police were kind of brought in to do just that, which was to this idea that, quote unquote, being a savior and to, quote unquote, help women right. when in fact they ended up harming people. Yeah, and I think taking away, um, there's so many layers to... Um, sex work. I mean, there's choice, right? And so um, projects and intentions Mm -hmm. like that in particular that seek to save us. Mm -hmm. Many of us are not victims in the work that we do. Um, Many of us choose to do sex work. A lot of us end up doing sex work for survival. It's such a a complex thing to just sort of put a, and it's a band-aid solution, I think, to to divert people from prostitution in this particular way Mm -hmm. that happens in this country. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it also just goes back to this idea that people don't have rights over their own bodies, which we see in so many. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) (sighs) 
Yeah, yep. it's such a yeah, it's such an interesting thing, such an interesting thing. So, and and that is like the core of our work is um, restoring humanity to sex workers in a country where most sex work is considered illegal, mm-hmm. um, and then also um, restoring. Um, hope and politics back into to us as many of us as, as women, trans and non-trans women, mm-hmm. um, and ownership of our bodies, um, of our politics, and um, and that even if we engage in sex work, that it's not considered like immoral. I think there's like yeah. a, an undertone in the in the West, not just the United States, but in mm-hmm. the West about um, engaging in sex work and yeah. how that makes you like a deviant or immoral, lack values, can't be a parent, like all these loaded yeah. sort of things that we have yeah. um, consciously and unconsciously about um, sex work. And um, we're trying to eradicate that. Yeah. That's like our goal. Hell yeah. 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 There's such hypocrisy, you know, mm. especially there's like folks who are war profiteers and folks who are in law enforcement and folks who are act- actively causing harm in the world. There are politicians. <laughs> who are, Sips tea. <laughs> <laughs> people who are literally harming people every day. And somehow that's supposed to be permissible and legal. It's just, I feel like there's so much that's just so backwards. Right. <sighs> Right, and so we're trying so, to yeah. we're trying to evolve um, the rest of the world with us. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's how I see our work. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm grateful for for folks who are doing for doing this work. Yeah, and also just the I mean, there's also like the education, at, you know, which I I feel like can also feel maybe uh, tiresome. This the constant having to educate folks about it. Yeah, um, educating people on on sex work, and then now in in the world that we live in, educating people on the difference between sex work and human trafficking. trafficking. Yeah, um, yeah. It's intersectional, and they're so different. It's such a complicated. Oh gosh, it's such yeah. a complicated thing. Um, and so we. Um, our our project is um, our our focus is on people who voluntarily engage in the sex trade mm-hmm. and providing um, optimal health care and and programs formed by the community. Great, yeah, that's excellent. If folks want to um, donate to St. James, is there a way that folks can do that? Oh yes, um, our PayPal is on the St. James. Oh, PayPal and Square, mm-hmm. and um, we have a donation box inside the clinic. Um, and you can go to www. And this is going to be really long. Stjamesinfirmary.org. Um, S T J A M E S I N F I R M A R Y dot O R G. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, some folks listening can help support. Mm-hmm. I think that. I mean, I feel like the ideal version of the world is like many places like this. Yeah. Donate like, or come volunteer. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, we are equal opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Depending on where you at, where where you are at. Yeah. Um, you can donate if you have the funds. Um. And you can volunteer if you have the time. Excellent. Yeah. That's so good. Ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ah. This is so cool. Thank you so oh, much for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. There's, I mean, there's always so much to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's just important to 
also just talk to as many people as possible and uh, there's just so much to learn too mm. so yeah, yeah grateful for that well we can take a bit of a music break and then talk a little bit more after that if that Sweet. sounds good to you and talk about there's so many other things to also discuss uh yeah so we'll play a little bit more music and we'll be back in a little bit Right, and welcome back. 
We're, we're back. We're back <laughs> here with Arya Saeed having a really good conversation here. Also, if folks would like to call in with any questions, feel free. Our phone number is 415-550-0511. Again, our phone number is 415-550-0511. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so we're talking about a, a blog that you have. Yeah, I have um I have a blog. I have not I'm 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 a writer. Or I feel so strange saying that out loud. Yeah. Um, but I'm a writer, um, and I haven't um, talked much about it. But I have a blog. Um, hopefully, it's not copyright infringement. But it's called Transsex in the City, uh, <laughs> and so I write. We were just talking about how I write. Um, I call it creative nonfiction because mm-hmm. all of it is real life. Yes. Yeah. Um, and. What it start? I think what it was really just based on was um, was uh, trans trans women of color in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even like saying that black black girlfriends of mine that I that I've known over the years, and um, when I transitioned, I used to hang out with my my cis friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, girlfriends and, and do slumber parties and whenever I would tell sort of my stories yeah. about like guys I met and, and stuff like that there was always sort of this like undercurrent that I had to prove those stories to be true mm. um, and I love my girlfriends I, I still talk to them to this day but um, a lot of the questions that they would have would be like oh did he know like well if he knew why did he still talk to you and like all these sort of questions mm-hmm. um and so interacting with my girlfriends and like having coffee or drinks and like sharing our stories like i felt like felt like documenting them so it, yeah. it originally just started as me journaling yeah and then i would read them to my girlfriends and they'd be like oh girl you have to like write you yeah. have to put that in the book and the cheapest way to to do that was to do a wordpress yeah so um so yeah, those are the stories. I mean, they get pretty crazy and intense and, yeah. and slightly raunchy. Um, but yeah, because um, I just felt like me and my girlfriends um, over the years have just sort of um, ended up kind of mirroring Sex in the City in a lot mm-hmm. of ways, just in our personalities and the way that we see um, our relationships, the way that we see our trans experiences is all different. Yes, yes. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. So, I write about that in my spare time. Oh, that's great. <laughs> that's really healthy, too, just to have, like, a journal or some kind of outlet. I feel like it's easy. For, for my own experience, sometimes I end up internalizing a lot, and then it either oh, just comes yeah. out or I just get frustrated by something or a situation or I have in the past, like, nine years or however long. Mm-hmm. And it's... Uh, yeah, it's good to also just to, also sometimes it's difficult to understand exactly what happened and to have, uh, to be able to at least put it out, put mm-hmm. it out there and to share it with people is, can be really helpful. It was such a vulnerable, I, I always feel so vulnerable when I post my writing actually. Yes. Um, yes. I'm always afraid of what people are going to say um, or think about me in this particular way. And then I'm always shocked every time, anytime I post content, I'm always shocked at the, the re- overwhelming response I get mm-hmm. from girls and not just locally. That's yeah. what's crazy to me. Oh yeah. Um, and so like girls around the internet will like message me and be like, 
oh, I totally went through that too. Mm-hmm. Like, um, the the piece that I, I think um, when I on my blog, the one that was the most viewed um, and the one that actually got published in Nerve Endings was called East Oakland Part 2. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about a guy that I've been sleeping with for seven years. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is crazy to me. Um, seven years we've been friends with benefits and I met him when I was 20 and, um, he was a little bit older than me, black guy from East Oakland. Um, and I like secretly loved him, but he had a girlfriend and I knowingly knew that he had a girlfriend. And so a lot of my writing about him just sort of was like at three in the morning, bolting awake in bed and like grabbing napkins and then the pen can't touch the paper fast enough Mm. and just like writing everything that was going on and and processing it at the same time. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that I had no idea that other girls were going through that. I thought I was insane Mm. because I knowingly was a side chick and... Um, I knew that we would never be together, but the sex was amazing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't want to leave it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I mean, and he also looked out because he met me too. So, um, (laughs) (laughs) so, um, just writing about it and then other girls, um, reading it and, and responding, um, was just an incredible experience for me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really, it can be really helpful to, to know that we're, we're not alone. And I feel like the internet has been really helpful in terms of connecting us mm-hmm. you know, for folks who don't live in the same area. Just to, yeah. And also for, for younger folks, like I'm always inspired when I meet younger trans folks out yeah. there. It kind of warms my heart a bit. I know. Um, it's just so great to see that. I, I, I remember a time when it was just very different mm-hmm. when the only role models of trans people were on Jerry Springer, which I found to be entertaining. Mm-hmm. But um, when I was 17, I remember my mom being like, you want to be like one of those freaks on TV? Mm. Is that what you want to be? Um, and we had no humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why a lot of our um, our elders in, in the trans experience um, are so vocal about us and, and and acknowledging the way things were in the past is because it's very different now. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's incredible to see. So at the Transgender Day of Visibility this year in San Francisco, like, uh, there was a 10-year-old trans kid on stage and I just thought that is incredible yeah. that is so cool yes um, <laughs> I'm slightly jealous yeah <laughs> I I hear that I definitely hear that yeah uh, yeah it's um yeah this weekend's the gender spectrum conference um mm. out at St. Mary's and I'll be uh, volunteering it was there last year as well volunteering with youth and it's really incredible to see like these nine and ten year olds who mm. are already at this place where not only do they understand who they are? They're able to be vocal about it. And thankfully a lot of them have parents or guardians who can listen and accept that yeah. and support their children uh, through that. And and so many people um, outside of, of the home are informed mm-hmm. about trans people and trans experiences now mm-hmm. to where we're still human. I, I feel like... Um, Jazz? I think yes. that's her name. Oh yeah, Jazz Jennings. Yeah. And just like... 
people I'm I'm sure she's met with resistance in some ways mm-hmm. but like overall like it sounds like um from what I remember like her schools have been really supportive her teachers mm-hmm. um and it's just incredible so incredible to see that yeah um and I just hope it grows and I hope more people are more informed and mm-hmm. And more accepting of, of trans people. Yeah. Um, and trans people coming out younger. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think that's what, what's what it will take. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's something positive for sure. I mean, it's easy. I feel frustrated a lot of the time. And then also and hearing about what, what friends go through, certainly. And then on the flip side, again, seeing people who are younger coming out and mm-hmm. then even people like running for office. And I'm skeptical of like working within the system for a number of reasons. Yeah. Um, however, I'm also happy for folks who feel like that's, that's how they want to do it. If they want to work within the system, like there's a woman in Virginia who is like running the democratic party. She's, you know, and we can also talk about the democratic party. <laughs> however, there's someone who wants to, you know, run as the candidate and it's like, that's great. Like, I feel like as many places as we can be visible, mm-hmm. the, the better. Yeah, I mean, I remember the days where most trans people that I knew, we either worked at the Mac counter, um, or we did sex work, um, or we worked in HIV prevention. So mm-hmm. to see, like, I think President Obama and um, appointed, um, I can't think of her name, but a trans woman to work in his cabinet. Yes. Um, yeah. And so seeing peop- women of trans experience in in politics and other arenas and business and tech. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and in trans men are getting more visible too. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wish there was more visibility for trans, trans guys. And that's what a lot of my, my guy friends tell me is that they, they feel invisible in the world of trans visibility. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I definitely feel it's, it's complicated. It's very, mm. it's, it's super complicated and I, I do my best to be as open and as out as I can be. And mm. then it's, it's, yeah, it, it is complicated. It's like this kind of ambiguous privilege in a lot of ways where, yeah, it's like, I feel, I'm feeling like, I guess left out some of the time where it's like, I don't feel like I fit in if it's a group of women, for mm. instance, a group of men like I don't I don't feel like I fit in with either necessarily and I'm, I'm also more just like non I identify more as like non-binary um, but there is this feeling of simply because I'm viewed as male like I don't necessarily feel like I get along with men per se mm-hmm. or I feel like I like just because I have access to certain to be in certain like all not that it's like all men's I guess there are kind of all men's spaces but because I have access to being in men's spaces doesn't mean I'm comfortable in those spaces for True. instance or because I, because I wasn't socialized as male and because I don't want to, a lot of the behavior I find to be deeply problematic where mm-hmm. people expect me to act a certain way. And it's like, no, oh, it's like, no, <laughs> like, oh no. So it, it does feel, it, it, yeah, it's, it's difficult to find the language and I've been trying to understand exactly what that is and how to make those changes within, you know, with, with cis men, I guess, and to, mm-hmm. to educate or to, try to help folks open open their eyes in some ways how is that experience of navigate and, and non-binary yeah. identified navigating cis men spaces um but also sort of like masculine presenting yeah 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 it's i mean it's like it's like anything else we all make assumptions about people based on how we perceive them and we mm-hmm. kind of read them our own our own ways so I'm, I'm expected to be a certain way 
So it's it's tricky. Yeah, and it's, I can see that. I feel like it's hard to... I wish I had a good concrete answer. And of course, every situation is different mm-hmm. and every person is different. So what other folks bring to the table... And there's other stuff I could... I'm a bit too embarrassed <laughs> to talk about on the air. Because um, it also could be like in, in gay men's spaces, for instance. Like that, there's a whole... Oh, and their energy where that's like there's yeah. definitely like a lot of misogyny and trans misogyny and mm-hmm. we can also talk about white supremacy within those spaces as well so there's an exoticism and mm-hmm. oh yeah I mean I think I think trans women go through that too in some ways especially it depends on the girl I think um, for me I've always struggled with trying to um I feel very natural to sort of assimilate into the binary for me for a lot of reasons. Mm -hmm. But with that also comes an othering that Mm. happens when people know that you're trans. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you are out um, intentionally or unintentionally, um, you sort of get othered. So then um, there's many moments where you are embraced and accepted. Mm -hmm. And then there's many moments where it's like, oh, well, you won't know what I'm actually talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it's hard for me, too, because there's also just this really rich um, culture um, amongst trans people that I just, I love seeing, especially um, poor black trans women that I think of throughout the ages and just culturally how we've created our own language Mm -hmm. and how we talk to each other, um, lifestyle, um, and just the way that we are. It's just incredible to see. an experience, and so um, straddling the the fence of of both is, yeah, yeah, it's such a tricky thing. Yeah, that rings true. The, the straddling the fence, I mm-hmm. feel, where we can be in one place and then not necessarily feel. Or I can only speak for myself, but like yeah. I can be in one place and feel like I don't fit in. And I'm sure like every single person on Earth feels that way to a certain extent, where we're we might not feel comfortable in a certain space. Exactly. And then I feel like just with the different layers of our own experiences that might not be visible to others, it Mm. is difficult to navigate. And there is that idea of assimilation. And I think to myself, like I, I'm not really into clothes or anything like that. So I pretty much dressed quote unquote masculine. I don't even like, even the idea of the binary is like, (laughs) but like, I don't even like the idea of clothes. I'm like, ugh, clothes. However, like I'm viewed as, I guess, on the masculine end of the end of the spectrum, and like I happen to, I have facial hair because I don't like shaving my face. That's pretty much it. It's not so much like, oh, I need to feel like manly. It's more just like I don't like shaving my face. That's it. I haven't. I don't remember the last time I shaved my face. I just can't. I can't be bothered. That's it. However, it's how people, you know, perceive me. Yeah. That it's like okay, so I'm viewed as super mas, viewed as masculine. Yet I, it's like yeah, it's. It's it's complicated. Mm-hmm. It's complicated. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh gosh, that's so tricky. Um, yeah, um, it's the trickiest thing, um, especially because we're not um, we're allowed to be multidimensional in certain in certain circumstances, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then when we move through the world, we're not allowed to be multidimensional. We're supposed to be faith. Surface level, face value, mm-hmm. um, literally and figuratively. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's so much too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and constant, constantly changing as well. And also, just yeah, it's uh, there's uh, yeah, there's so much. There's so much there. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like you know when I speak from my own perspective, like it's my own, and I'm very. I also want to be like very, I guess, careful about the the language I use. Like not to say that 
having facial hair is anyway masculine, but it's how it's perceived maybe in our yeah. So no, I I totally get it. Um, how do we get to a place where um, trans men and then non-binary folks who oftentimes get left out of the the trans sort of narrative mm-hmm. um how do we how do we bring those communities forward in visibility that's a great and do they want visibility that's a great that's question because like not everyone and i reckon i you know i respect anyone who wants to be like i i do think to a degree there is that you know harvey milk had that say you know back in the day really encouraged folks to come out and like it's really important for visibility and I also recognize for some folks it can be a safety thing especially if folks who are young or living at home and they don't have an option mm-hmm. to be out I mean I'm kind of on the other side where it's like I it's the least I can do being viewed as white being viewed as masculine being viewed as cis like how I'm perceived by the world at large like I have to be as out and open as possible like mm-hmm. it just like I ha- I have to so that doesn't really answer the question let me think about the question oh, no, <laughs> um no. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, this is like cocktail talk for yeah, me. Yeah, um, yeah. Because I, I definitely, um, I have a love-hate relationship with visibility. Mm-hmm. So it's like, um, it's both and, it's it's loaded. Sure. Uh, there's moments where I really love visibility for all of us. And there's also moments that I really miss when, there, there were great moments when we were also invisible, where we got to define ourselves, um... In a, in a very different way, yes. individually, as opposed to a collective narrative sort of being, oh, you're like... I remember, for instance, when I was younger, I used to um, go on dates, and I sometimes would tell guys my tea, sometimes I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. When I would, because people just didn't know... There was room for me to define me and yes. my own experience. Yes, yes. And then um, recently, when I was on OKCupid okay and I disclosed, they were like, oh, like Bruce Jenner, meaning Caitlyn Jenner. <sighs> um, <laughs> and <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, and, yeah, so like, um, sorry, someone was holding a sign in the window. Um, just so y'all know who's listening. Um, but yeah, that instantly it made my stomach turn. Yeah. And I don't know why. I don't know if it's because I was not given room to, to define myself more yeah. or, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's tricky. Yeah. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I hear that as well. Where I have the, if I have the opportunity to speak about myself, I will, yet I don't want to introduce myself and have that be the first thing about me, for instance. Exactly. And I, and also going back to the idea of like being an educator and how many of us are asked to just educate cis folks on trans issues as if it's somehow we owe that to them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I don't want to have to do that yet. I feel like if I don't talk to them, who will kind of, right. and so it's, it's a kind of difficult depending on the situation and who I'm with. Um, if I want to, but I almost always feel like I end up just having to, cause it's almost always coming up. Like how can the idea of gender, like not, or sex, not sexuality, but like the idea of gender, like it's, it's so the patriarchy is so indoctrinated in everything mm-hmm. that it, like it, I, a day doesn't go by when I don't hear folks talking about this idea of like this us and them kind of idea. Yeah. Um, instead of focusing on how similar we are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
think another moment of, of um, just um, just disclaimer, just because I I love apples doesn't mean I don't like oranges. Yep. Um, <laughs> for those listening, um, yeah. Um, another moment of visibility. I was speaking at a university, and um, there was 450 students, and one of the students asked about my genitalia. And those are moments where I'm like, God, I hate visibility. Yep, yep. Um, because I, oh gosh. Yeah. Because it's just such a, um, and, and I I feel for people who, um, I always tell people when they're coming to meet trans people for the first time, knowingly, I should say, meet trans people for the first time, they're like coming to their first day of a French class mm. or Spanish class or, mm-hmm. or another language. Um, because for them, it's like a whole new world. <laughs> like, it's like a whole new thing. Yeah. Um, even though I'm like, we've been existing since the dawn of time. Yep. And- I just, <laughs> I posted exactly that sentence on a, th- on a Facebook thread today, actually. Like, trans folks have been around forever. Right. Because they're like, oh, Arya, tell us about this, this new thing yeah. of, of transgender. So new <laughs> that it was here before uh, this country was colonized. Right. Uh, and all over uh, the world. Yep. In, yeah. In different names. And, yep. Um, <sighs> yeah. I know, right? Um, so, yeah. Um, but visibility has its perks because now I'm seeing trans people can apply for jobs and be equally considered. Mm-hmm. Um, trans people can apply for housing and be equally considered. Um so, like, visibility has done many great things for us that I think we take for granted. Mm. Um, and there's also the the little nuances that come with it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's also the idea that with, quote-unquote, progress, there's also backlash. So with more visibility, there are people who are... Because before, people would say, oh, trans people... And there still are people, unfortunately, who mm-hmm. say, oh, trans people can't exist or don't exist. And then now that more and more folks are coming out, people still have to kind of hold on to those beliefs and still want to like push back progress, whether it's enforcing those bath- those hideous bathroom bills uh. or the, the idea of uh, trans youth not being able to use the bathrooms of their choice, for instance. Yeah, it's so interesting how invested we are in other people and what other people are up to. Yep. Um, I always, um, when I do like lectures and stuff, I always tell people... That when we're kids, we're told we can be whoever and whatever we want to be when we grow up. Yes. But then when you grow up and you make those choices, you get penalized <laughs> yeah, for them. Yeah, exactly. By other people who are so... in, Like, other people do not pay any of your bills. Mm-hmm. And yet, mm-hmm. they are so invested as to what bathroom you get to use. Yeah. Um, or whether you get to put female or male on your ID. Or it's just... It's crazy. It's, um, and I always wonder why it happens the way that it does. Like, why? Why does there need to be a bill about, yeah, no, I don't th- worry about it. Yeah. Like, I think a lot of time it's just for these politicians to cover themselves because they're the ones who are enacting really bad behavior. We mm-hmm. constantly see, like, especially like a lot of the, the anti gay politicians who end up caught with. Uh, secretly, right? Yeah. On Grinder yep. with escorts yep. and all yeah. the great things. They don't want to be held accountable for their own stuff. Yeah. And so they can't see anyone else be out and proud. Yeah, I think it's rooted in insecurity, too. Um, I think it's also... In, there... 
are just so many perceptions on um so for a while it was like this idea that like um we need to protect women and children who are using the women's restroom right um and it's this such a bizarre thing it always starts that way it's never like we need to police who's going in the men's restroom yeah we need to police who's going in the women's restroom yeah um I know we were doing, um, so we're working on a bill in in Sacramento called SB 310, Mm -hmm. um, which allows trans people who are currently on the inside incarcerated, Mm -hmm. uh, the ability to change their name and gender, change to the Superior Court, like any other trans person um, in the state. And uh, we were testifying and opposition came and they were like, um, we shouldn't be wasting taxpayers' dollars on fraud. Oh. Um, and I think it still rings in my ears. And I'm just like, why? Why is it always fraud? Like, when trans people, anyone else in the world gets to tell you who they are, yep. and we believe them. Yes. We don't have to background check. We, I mean, we mm. do now. But anyways, uh, we don't have to do background checks. Yeah. People just tell you who they are, yeah. and we believe them. But when trans people do... There's always this undercurrent of, like, you need to prove to me that you're authentic. Yep. Um, that you are real. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. it's such a bizarre experience. Um, and, you know, I thought with visibility that we'd get to that place faster where mm-hmm. we didn't have to prove. Um, but we still do. Yeah. And it's really unfortunate. Yeah. I think a lot of it goes back to the bureaucracy with the state, for instance, mm-hmm. like still needing to provide a doctor's note in some places uh. or to change it, either your birth certificate or your driver's license. And to have people who are not us somehow have more power over us to tell mm-hmm. us who we are. Is and I think ridiculous. that's going to change. Mm-hmm. Um, with that policy that's been going through committee and it's been, it's been passed. And I think, um, you know, legislation is always 10, 15 years behind yeah. what's going on in the world. But mm-hmm. I think I think we've reached a point where we realize that we can't, that other people cannot make those decisions. Yes. Um, I mean, I remember when I started Hormones and, and they were do, still doing the Harry Benjamin oh, yeah, standards yeah. where you had to present yep. full time for one year before you can get a drop of hormones. Oh. Like, And, you know, we've moved on and we've learned that, like, the consent model and and just um so you know self-identification is enough mm-hmm. like if you self-identify then you are what you are yeah um so i think that'll change but yeah um right now like doctors can deny that um because at St. James, we've had uh, legal name change clinics. Oh, yeah. And we've had people whose doctors have said, I'm not comfortable with putting the full statement that you've completed transition because this, this, and this. And it's like, oh, wait, it's 2017. Like, we don't have to be... Why? Why are people so invested in what other people are doing? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, are folks able to get hormones at... St. James? Of course. That's great. Oh, yes. Um, So we have a program called Stride. Mm -hmm. Don't ask me what that stands for. I don't know. I think we all have a very different definition. Some testosterone's (laughs) really (laughs) definite enough. Yay! That's oh okay. That's going down in the books. No, Um, that's actually super cute. We're gonna use that one. (laughs) Um, It used to be an acronym, (laughs) but now it's just called Stride. Okay. Um, 
happens every Thursday. Um, and and we serve trans sex workers, mm-hmm. um, uh, trans men, trans women, um, gender nonconforming, gender nonbinary, um, and intersex folks mm. to come and get hormone replacement therapy or or primary care. Mm. Um, so yeah, if anyone's been to St. James Infirmary, um, many people know Chuck. Um, he's like the greatest clinician in the world, and he's been at St. James since its founding. Oh, wow. So, yeah. How long has St. James been around? St. James has been around 17, 18 years. Oh, that's great. Yeah, we're 18 years old. Oh. <laughs> nice. We're all grown up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's the joke inside the office is that mm-hmm. we're all grown up. Um, <laughs> After 18 years. Wow. Yeah. Um, so it started at City Clinic mm-hmm. um, in 98. Um, St. James Infirmary was named after um, very well-known, world-renowned uh, sex worker activist, Margot St. James. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is her namesake. Um, she really... I think was instrumental in in bringing sex worker voices to the table through Coyote, uh, which was call off your old tired ethics. Ooh, um, right, so good. Um, <laughs> huh? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the person outside thought we said peyote. <laughs> um, so yeah, Coyote. Um, did a lot of work in um, bringing sex worker voices to the table, Mm -hmm. especially in relationship to law enforcement, Mm -hmm. because um, just because of that relationship um, in in the 80s and 90s. And so, yeah, that's how St. James came to be. That's so great. I read, or uh, I was reading in in Greece, there's a lot of like anarchist groups who are really just forming their own health clinics Mm. and they're finding that they're helping a lot of refugees over in Greece as well. And they're finding the folks who kind of do it themselves without relying on the state are the ones who are able to kind of help people a lot more, just providing an alternative. So just a note for all the folks out there, all the listeners out there, you know, inspiration. Um, Do it yourself, I think, is always the most effective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. if it's not being done for you, yes, why yeah. wait? Yeah, do it. Yeah, that's with any project. That's, I mean, that's why St. James Infirmary is a, is a sex worker clinic formed by the community that's been around for eighteen years, yeah. and it is the largest that it's ever been. Um, and we have the most services than we've ever had before um, because you do it yourself. Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me so happy. I often, I mean, I read news news stories and articles on this show, and oftentimes they feel really depressing and frustrating given what's happened in the world. And I feel uh, the opposite when I speak with folks and talking about what's actually what what the people are doing to help mm-hmm. each other and to help to help ourselves. Yeah, I mean, and and we see it in so many different ways, especially in the Bay, but also across the country. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Bay, we have Taj's Coalition. Yes, yes. Um, transgender Advocates for Justice and Accountability. Mm-hmm. Um, after Taja de Jesus, uh, who was a local trans woman, mm-hmm. Puerto Rican girl, um, who was murdered in the Bayview. Um, so many activists got together at, at St. Mm-hmm. James Infirmary in the community room after the, the vigil um, and said, this needs to be changed. Yes. And... Um, like, it's getting too close to home. Like, the murders that are happening, are, it's now local in the most liberal place on earth. Yeah. San Francisco. Yeah. 
Um, and yeah, they were able, um, they and, and now we are able to do really incredible work with the community. And it's all 100% led mm-hmm. and facilitated by the community. Yeah. Um, and then Colombo in Oakland. Oh, I haven't heard of Colombo. Yeah, so Colombo, well, I mean, they've had a lot of troubles lately, but Colombo was started by um, African-American residents of West Oakland mm-hmm. who um, felt that, like, white people were moving in and making their own community gardens. Mm-hmm. But then, so they tried to make one that, like, empowered the black residents that were still in West Oakland. Mm-hmm. And now they keep getting, like, shut down and all this kind of stuff and all they literally are is like a warehouse and a community garden and they have community events and spoken word and stuff Mm -hmm. so um, definitely look up Columbo Mm -hmm. online it's Q-I-L-O M as in Mary B as in boy O Um, Google it and learn more information about it Um, because it's really sad that like I I live in in Oakland too and I see all these um, gardens pop up um, in the more sort of gentrified neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And then for a group of black people who start a community garden, for them to face as many problems as they've had to face just to have a community garden. Mm -hmm. It's insane. So yeah. But they're still doing it for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, it's 125. We can take another bit of a, a break. Sweet. And then we'll be back to chat a little bit more okay. here. Put on some more music. And we'll be back uh, after that.
cops call police to escort them. You don't ride out them lies, you just quote them. Get offline, plug into this modem. No, you can't outvote them. The rules are still golden. Only jewels we hones if we guard our scrolling. If you press the ear to the turf that is stolen, you can hear the sound of limitations exploding. Please, sir, may we have another portion? We're children of the beast that dodge the abortion. Neck plate firm to the floor in the portion. We'll shut your shit down, don't call it extortion. Caution, we're coming for your head. So call the feds and get files to shred. Every textbook read said bring you the bread. But guess what? We got you instead. Stand true to it Since my whole street days in the blue Buick Niggas been fighting so long Seem like I'm used to it Now what y'all know about how the cool do it Truth fluid Booth put the funk to it Ain't nothing to it This is for the cheese all the way to the bay From Frisco to open all over you LA got You got to get up right now Turn the system upside down It's supposed to be fed up Now, uh, this fella 
snitch yeller. Never been a snitch teller. One paste up for my homeless dish dweller. Yelling fuck a Rockefeller. My ship up in acapella. My lyrical quotes are never snuffed the bank tellers. Even call it off. We all in off. Molotovs and bricks. Mr. Bailiff, you can put that in the transcript. Fuck your motherfucking paddy wagon van flips. Some sell it off. I prefer hand grips. Quotas. You know we stronger than a three day notice. Pay or quit. It's more bust than the lies that your mayor spit. I'm on some. I hate the game below the player shit. Is you a have and you a have not When you run out of bullets, grab rocks Cause the prison don't slam locks It don't open when your fam knocks Let you rich and have stocks Fight the power like a motherfucking Zulu It's the coup plus the new member Tulu So raise your hands in the air like you're born again But make a fist for the struggle when you're born to win right now Turn the system Them hoes. I can smell a pig coming, so I stay on my toes. On the low from Pope Pope, so fuck the whole lease. Cause peace to me is loaded under my seat. And I know power, respect that, so serve and protect that. I'm young, black, and just don't give a fuck. Try me. Grilling you right back, you better drive by me. We the people on me, it's known to get rowdy. And even if you a friend of the blue, you can get it too. Snitching is never forgettable. This hell we live in is never forgivable. It come down to DP and the cool. Remember Huey, Bobby Hutton, George Fred, and them. Fuck the Pope Pope, local state fed, and them. You better choose your side, Crip, Blood, 415, it's one team, get up and let's ride. Turn the Welcome back to the weekly review. I'm here with Arya Saeed. Arya, hi. <laughs> we have a lot of good things to talk about. Uh, yeah. And we also have some other. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot to, I think, unpack. And I, yeah, there's a lot to, to get to, mm-hmm. certainly. So we're having a, a good conversation. And also just getting back to one of the things we we're talking about before, which is how to, you know, how to trans men and non-binary folks, um, I, how is there room for folks? And my, from my perception, as I mentioned during the break, is just that I, I feel very wary of wanting to take up space in a way. Not that like trans men and non-binary folks, I mean, everyone deserves a, a space to speak. And then I'm also just very wary about, I don't want to monopolize or take up too much space, mm-hmm. I think, in, in discussions, certainly. So yeah. that's, that's kind of like where I, where I come from, I guess. And yeah, that's my own experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think... Uh, in the Bay, we just have a culture where um, people do a really great job at showing up, um, even when they feel like their experience is not highlighted. So it's such a tricky thing. Yeah, yeah, and so important for us to like show up for each other, especially in the in the trans and the and the I guess eventually I'm looking forward to the future when the language that we're using right now will just be like, Oh, I can't believe we use that language. I know. Right. <laughs> like 10 years from now, yeah. we're like, Oh, we're just people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> looking for, I'm so looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, ways for folks to show up for each other. Certainly. I think, yeah. yeah. Seeing more of that would be great. Yeah. And, um, 
I don't, I think as a community, we've been very loving on each other locally. Mm-hmm. Um, and we see it nationally too. I think I touched on it earlier, but just, um, I've been fortunate to meet some um, trans men and trans women in the South mm. who are doing incredible things with yes. no resources at all. Yes. Um, so we're showing up. I think we're in an age where we're, we're learning that we all we have is each other at many moments in our experience. And mm-hmm. so we have to uplift each other yeah. in order to to survive yeah so yeah yeah and then if one of us is is suffering uh it's i mean it's then we all are you know Mm -hmm. as many of the sayings go yeah yeah so yeah (sighs) yeah a lot of work to be done but i feel like more and more folks are i i think are at least showing up Mm -hmm. which is good yeah especially in the bay right Mm -hmm. now oh yeah it's such a good time for trans rights to be happening in the bay yeah Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think we're seeing that with the Compton's Cultural District. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I know we've been busy. Yeah. So. <laughs> um. So yeah, the world's first transgender cultural district. Yes. Is here in San Francisco, in the Tenderloin. Um. It's so exciting, just um, for that vision to kind of come to life. Yeah. Um, and speaking of showing up, other people who are not trans themselves, but just sort of learning, um, not learning, but like using their, their resources and, and, and what they know to show up for trans people has been incredible with, with Compton's. Mm -hmm. So Nate Albee, um, one of my favorite people in the world, he, um, works in politics Mm -hmm. and he is a um very handsome guy um slightly distracting um (laughs) who has um really helped us um in getting the compton's district to be and so and that's like his thing is getting queer people to take back their resources um and so he's in the advocate this month for the august issue oh great and the print issue yes uh on the work that he's done with the lexington club and and the stud Uh. um and and uh compton's district and all the other stuff that he's doing so him and then honey mahogany yes um one of my, um, one of my other favorite people mm-hmm. um she has been incredible to work with mm-hmm. on on this project and then Stephanie Ashley mm-hmm. um who I work with at St. James um and Janetta Johnson mm-hmm. who is executive director at TGI Justice Project yeah um and who else who else has showed up there's like a laundry list of names. Um, <laughs> but so many people banded together. Um, and and it's happening. Yeah. Like, I have to pinch myself to know that, like, it's happening. Yeah. Um, and I don't think it... It didn't really feel real until we did the SF Weekly mm-hmm. um, Pride issue um, where we were on the cover for the district. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, nice. So, um, are you, are you from the Bay Area? No, I'm not. I'm from Oregon. Oh, okay. I know. I'm from Portland, Oregon. Okay. Um, everyone's always so shocked when they ask where I'm from. Mm -hmm. Usually people are like, LA, New York. Yeah. Um, 
And yeah, so I am from Oregon. I've lived in the Bay um, seven years. Mm Mm-hmm. Going on eight years. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and I lived in the city for many years, and then now I live in Oakland. Yeah, as is the case with many, right. many folks. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and um, I definitely, San Francisco holds a special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, Oakland does too mm-hmm. now. It's weird. Yeah. Um, I love both. I think... Um, there's many moments. Um, I'm really fortunate in that I got to live in the city alone in, a, in an apartment um, in my early 20s. Yeah. That was probably the coolest thing. Yeah. Um, but I've also done the roommate situation. I've lived in living rooms and mm-hmm. um, people's walk-in closets. Yep. I rented a utility closet. <laughs> um, so I've done that whole tidbit, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I had gotten my apartment, it was in the Tenderloin. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved living in the city. And I think the moments that I miss is just being young in the city mm-hmm. and like all the girls that come over and do their makeup at mm-hmm. my apartment mm-hmm. and then we would all go out together. Uh, so it's like moments like that that I really miss. And the restaurants are open later. Yeah. Something you don't think about when you move. Yep. Yeah. I used to, um. <laughs> oh yeah, I used to live in New York and then coming out here. Oh, I can imagine. It's, you know, looking around and it's like, oh, no. <laughs> it's... <laughs> Yeah, it's, I do. I do miss the the places that are open late. Mm-hmm. So, I know everything in Oakland feels like it closes in, at ten. Mm. Although with Uber Eats, which is a dangerous resource, <laughs> you can get food <laughs> like two in the morning. Is it food that's delivered to you? Yeah, so they'll go through the drive through for you. Wow, it's kind of nice. <laughs> it's problematic and it's nice at the same time. There's a lot of things like that in the world. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Especially with the with the technology, it's like some things of, that are really convenient, and then it's also okay. Well, what's the what, what's behind this? Mm-hmm. Or where are all the where are all the moving pieces yeah. that make this happen? Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna yeah. fire off some questions. Sure. To you. Ooh, I um, feel like I'm on a quiz show. <laughs> I know. Um, um, I just have some fun little questions that I think would be really cool to do. Yeah. First is, do you have any phobi- phobias? Sure. I'm afraid of cis people. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, not, not, maybe phobia is not the right word. I see cis people. Yeah. <laughs> They're everywhere. No. Um, I guess maybe a fear of violence. Um, mm. And I guess like sometimes when folks use the word phobia, it's maybe something that's not real, maybe, or it's it's like a, it's not not no oh I don't, don't want to say that it's uh, more of a, some something that's like maybe unfounded in in some in certain ways when they're like the folks who are like homophobic, they're afraid of gay people, and it's like why are you afraid of gay people? And for me, it's more my phobias. It's more I don't like there's things I don't like maybe so maybe branching off that question. I'm totally mm. overanalyzing this. Like, I don't like loud noises. Um, I don't like cops or like, just like, or like law enforcement. I don't like, like weapons. Like these things I'm afraid of, I guess. These uh-huh. things scare me or the idea of like wars and violence. Mm. Um, so it's maybe more of like systemic issues and of the broader scale as opposed to like arachnophobia or like spiders or something. I like, actually am really scared of spiders. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, lately, my phobias have been spiders. Mm. Um, why do you think they're adorable? I, I don't. I mean, if one were to crawl in, I'd be like, it just depends on the size of them, certainly. Mm-hmm. If they're a larger one, I'd be like, ah. I'm right. So I'm sure there's definitely, I do have some arachnophobia. Um, yeah, spiders, uh, the rats at Powell Street Bart Station. Oh, yeah. The Bart. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. The biggest phobia that I've had today is... I hate when you take the San Francisco, or take the BART and yeah. you get to your station and there's a line of people waiting to get on the train and they won't move yes. so that you get off yes. the train. Yep. How insane. I'm like, yeah. one time I had to literally push this lady yep. and I feel so bad saying this on the radio, but I was like, excuse me, I can't move. If you're in the way, move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, like... Um, the Bart Chronicles mm-hmm. of um, public transit. There's always a medical emergency at West Oakland for mm. some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> making my commute 45 minutes to an hour. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think larger level phobia. Um, I have abstained from dating for a while just because I'm so afraid of telling someone that I'm trans and then there being adverse consequences yeah. for that. Um, I know I never say that stuff out loud, but it's something that always crosses my mind is like, what if this happens? Yeah. So then you, or if you're me, you just sort of abstain from dating altogether. Um, I know that was really heavy for the airwave. I'm sorry. Oh. Y'all. Um, and then, um, other phobias, just where we're going as a country. Yeah. Um, how we had eight years of liberation. <laughs> I mean, there was lots of prob. There's always problems with the political system that we mm-hmm. currently have. Mm-hmm. Um, but to have eight phenomenal years with President Obama and Michelle Obama, and then to now have. Like, it's like we backtracked yeah. as a country. Yeah. And we don't feel it. I mean, we don't feel the repercussions of, of this presidency as much as we do in the Bay. Like, um, I've been traveling quite a lot the last couple months mm-hmm. um, to the South and mm. Mid-Atlantic, where you're really feeling the effects of um, of our current president. Um, less so than you do when you're on the West Coast. I feel mm-hmm. like we don't experience yeah. the impact in the same way. Yes. Um, yeah. We hear about it. It's an ideology. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but we're not experiencing it on the ground in the same way. Yeah. Um, so it's just crazy to see um, with the rhetoric and the actions and the um, executive orders and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I identify with a lot of what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And then also, when I was in New York, I also felt like, oh, we feel, you know, I felt a little bit somewhat removed from what's yeah. been happening. And that is that is definitely a fear, too, is just not so much like I've always been, or for as long as I can remember, I've been distrustful of the government. I've been dis- distrustful of law enforcement. It's the followers mm. that really I, I am fearful of. It's yeah. like the folks who are just like listening and saying, oh, I, I can now just enact my own their own kind of really violent rhetoric that is out to harm myself and many many people and that's That's scary that is scary yeah i think what scares me the most is um 
you know, for many years, at least in my early 20s, I sort of assumed we had reached a post-racial America. Um, at least that's what I grew up on. That's mm-hmm. what many people of color grew up on. We knew that there were still rules, right? Like, we still had to assimilate into white culture because that's a dominant culture. Um, we still had to play the game, right? Be the exception to the rule. Um, but we thought we'd made it. And then to then now, like, um, see law enforcement killing civilians with no consequence whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been an insane experience. Um, especially because it feels like sometimes like we pay taxes. We pay their oh. salaries. Right, 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 right. That's what I mean. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, um, like, no, like our tax dollars should not be going into that. Do you yep. know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Um, it's just, yeah, it's such an interesting world to be in. And then just like the rhetoric with Islamophobia, um, which I think has at its root been an issue in this country because um, Islam is um, a religion that was not created by white people. Mm-hmm. Right, so then there's this need for control, whereas Christianity, uh, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, is accepted oh, yeah. Um, yeah. because it is created by white people, mm-hmm. um, for some extent, anyways. Yeah. Um. So it's just, yeah, it's insane. Um. So something that's happening right now in San Francisco, what we've been doing is, um, in when our current president was elected, um, TGI Justice Project, St. James Infirmary, um, and and Taj's Coalition got together, and we started name change clinics. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've been sponsoring the full cost of people of trans people's passports, um, birth certificates, name changes through Superior Court. Whatever you need done, mm-hmm. um, we've been doing it. And so, because uh, there was just this wave of, I think, anxiety amongst the trans community of, like, yes. can you change yes. your your documents to mm-hmm. match who you know yourself to be? Mm-hmm. Um, and then now, with, like, that policy I was talking about earlier, uh, where folks can identify as non-binary, yes. like, there's been some folks who've been able to get a non-binary gender marker Mm -hmm. on their documents, which has been pretty cool. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, um, to combat some of it. um, It just feels like we always have to, like, I don't know, there's always this push and and pull Mm -hmm. in in politics where, like, politicians will do something, and then um, all of us working in, in movement building have to, like, scram around to try to, like, lessen the pressure of what, they just did. Yes. And so it definitely yeah. feels more push and pull these days. Yes. Um, but yeah, those are some phobias. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, we're, um, we're gonna, um, have to wrap up, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, the next show is coming in at, at two. Um, we can just talk just a couple more minutes mm-hmm. though, if there's anything, a really great talk. And I feel like we could go on for like hours and hours and yeah. there's so much just to get to. Um, so yeah, I really appreciate you being here and for everything that you've brought and shared. Thank you for having me. Yeah. 
So again, folks can check out uh, St. James Infirmary. Mm-hmm. Stjamesinfirmary.org. Yes, and we also um, someone mentioned that Stride is not an acronym. Yes, so we're going to um, with some folks. Yeah, so um, Marion is listening. Oh, hi, Marion. Um, I love him. He's so sweet. Um, <laughs> he texted me and said, "Stride isn't an acronym." Um, it was a term that Blake thought was a powerful, powerful for maintaining a rhythm. Mm. Um, so it's not an acronym, you guys. Stride is just stride. stride. <laughs> that part. <laughs> awesome. Ah, learning so much today. Yeah. As always. Well, do you have any uh, final things to, to share? Um... No, I think that's it. Um, definitely be on the lookout for the Compton's Cultural District um, and the things that we are trying to do to mobilize trans communities into um, owning our own businesses um, and 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 living in our in our neighborhood. So sort of some reverse gentrification is what I like to call it. Yeah. Um, that yeah. we're trying to do uh, for trans people in the TL. Um, St. James is doing um, this policy work with uh, the San Francisco Police Department um, that we hope will minimize violence towards sex workers. Mm-hmm. Um Taja's Coalition is sponsoring name changes. Oh, that's great. Taja'scoalition.org. Yeah. Um, T-A-J-A. Um, Taja. And, yeah, TGI Justice Project is doing really great work right now. Like, we're all really busy um, trying to save the world. Yeah. Excellent. (laughs) There's always room for more folks to join. Sex Workers Stride. There we go. Thank you, Marion. Stride Clinic, Sex Workers Stride at St. James Infirmary. Come check us out. Um, All our services are free um, at no cost to you. Um, And that's anywhere from reproductive health care, transgender health care, urgent care, episodic care, mental health, case management, support groups, um, sex worker resource days. Um, let's see, we're starting outreach in the mission and Polk Street um, late into the night to reach out to uh, street-based sex workers in different neighborhoods in the city. Um, so yeah, we're just crazy busy. Excellent. Thank you well, for thank, having me. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah. All right. So coming up next at 2 p.m. is Women's Magazine with Global Val. Uh, stay tuned. And after that will be the Common Thread Collective. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And this show will be available to be listened to on our archive at mutinyradio.fm. This is Roman. Thanks again for listening in. And uh, stay tuned to Mutiny Radio. Take care, everybody, and have a great week. It's about time for the part of the clothes. When the hinges went to flying off the motherfucking doors. Everybody get your shit started. This is your motherfucking party. Tokyo 
shit, Every baby. death is an abrupt one. Every cop is a corrupt one. Without no cash up in the trust fund. Every cat with a gap wanna bust one. Every guest wanna plus one. Every tenement's a penitent. Every tribe man is innocent. Time served should be the six spent. Everybody wanna hit a lick. Every one of y'all is getting pimped. Every time I spit, I'm finna rip. Every cancer is a homicide. Every boss better run and hide. Every human is some kinder black. Every visa got a pin to crack. Every verse is from the cardiac. Every search is involuntary. Every inmate want commissary. Every bank note is promissory. Every broke motherfucker finna form a gang. And when we come, we taking everything. Everybody throw your lights up. Tell me y'all finna fight a war. Everybody get the shit started. This is y'all motherfucking party. Every mark where they skrilla back Every knock wanna hit a crack In the park or a Pontiac Every litter sentence to the rent Every roach is a resident Every truth ain't evident Every slave story present tense Every uprise a consequence Every time it be something sweet Every banker is a fucking thief Everybody better holler with me Every fiend need a dollar fifty Every crime that I did was petty Every criminal is rich already Every landlord got a complex Every single is a bomb threat Every seller may hate my verse Everybody they gon' get it first Every broke motherfucker finna form a gang And when we come we taking everything Everybody throw your lights up Tell me y'all finna fight a war Everybody get the shit started This is y'all motherfucking party Talk your shit baby. Everybody throw your lights up Tell me y'all finna fight a war Everybody get the shit started This is y'all motherfucking party Talk your shit baby Swimming through a sea of podcasts. Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of mutiny radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice. LGBTQ friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shitface McRat. <laughs> 